Hello, and welcome to Control Escape, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the entire menu of top Africans in all areas of technology, with the aim of encouraging and motivating other Africans venturing into the growing landscape. Join me on this epic journey of discovery, adventure, and first-hand experience. Let's get talking. Hello, what's up everyone? Um, this is your host, Samuel Atrani, and today's episode of the Journey Series, I am privileged to have with me Felix here. Um, Felix is, um, oh, he's, he's a colleague, he's a friend, he's a business partner, uh, we've been at this for a while, but today we are, you know, we're very glad to have him join us today from our, our studios. So um, let's, you know, let's just get right into it. So, Mr. Z. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Well, we thank God. We thank God. How's the day been so far? Well, it's been quite hectic. Uh, a lot of work and uh, meetings and what have you. Life, life of someone in technology. Well, yeah. we're going to be dissecting that. Let's let's get right into it. So, I mean, um, tell us, who is who is Felix here? Tell us a little about yourself. Well, um, as you said, yeah, my name is Felix here. And I'm from a very small village in the Brongafu region of Ghana called Adadiem. Okay. Um, it's, it's a town close to uh, Sampa, which is like the the biggest the biggest metropolitan, uh, if you if you call it a metropolis. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I grew up in a family of uh, in a family of uh, one to eight one of eight children, and uh, I was like the the fourth kid. So uh, growing up with all boys and one girl, and it was a fun. Uh, it was a fun. I remember my my uh, childhood days, uh, where all my siblings were essentially the older siblings were uh, in high school, and I was in a primary school, and I was kind of like a, a. I think I was a good kid. My uh, my dad was really <laughs> my dad was really, really uh, liked me because I was always by his side, and we would uh, he would read uh, newspapers and kind of like try to show me how to read and it, it was just fun growing up and there were a lot of because my dad was a teacher by the way uh, and uh, there were a lot of students in his class that he was he would try to use me to kind of uh compare how it, this little kid who was two years or three years was actually excelling and doing better than people who were in uh, stage four you might have <laughs> that was probably like a lot of pressure on you even as you know a young person and being used for kind of like comparing you know that look at my son thing <laughs> yeah, that must so, be a lot of pressure so I think my dad was really uh, putting me up for more challenges because uh, can you imagine if I if I grew up and I didn't let's say by age 10 I was really a dumb kid that would have been really yeah. bad because yeah. he used me a lot to kind of like uh, chastise other older people so that they could they could sit up and learn hard. So it was, it was a fun fun uh, fun time growing up. So I had I believe I had those those uh, challenges on my shoulders uh, to yeah. be to be a very good kid and also excel mm. academic uh, academically. So it was a it was a very fun uh, moment growing up in in uh, BA. And uh, so towards I think towards uh, my the end of my my stage four, uh, my dad lost his job, so that that kind of changed the game a little bit. Yeah, and life became a little hard. Uh, uh, we didn't have financial any income coming in other than going to the farm and working on the crops and trying to get a yield. 
we, we could not sell because we're not growing in a large quantities to be able to sell that yet be able to yet eat. Uh, so school became a little bit hard as well, where uh, school school uniforms got torn. <laughs> I remember borrowing my sister's shirt. <laughs> my wow. sister's shirt. You, you're wearing your sister's shirt to school. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I was, yeah, and, and it was, I was my friends were laughing at me a lot at the, at the time. I remember, and I, my sister had a big. Uh, uh, chair that he, uh, she used on in uh, in junior high school, mm. so she she just passed all of those things over to me. Over to you, and that's all I had. I didn't have a table. I I would just in the class. I would just take my book and put on my lap and write. So, wow! So it was it was a fun time growing up. So I, I saw a little bit of a pampered kid where my dad was when my dad was yeah, teaching and definitely I was always mm-hmm. getting all this opportunity. But now my dad doesn't have anything to provide all I needed to excel, and so that was that was a that was a very difficult moment in my life. But I was able to uh, continue to learn hard and progress from uh, primary school to high school, and then I moved. Uh, I, yeah, I moved from from uh, junior high school. I think in nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, uh, to high school in Sampa, which is like a bigger town with a lot more people. Of course, with the high school there, and uh, which is a, a, a larger border town as well, where Ivorians came into the town and all that. So, okay. so I, I really got to meet a lot of people from different places as well because people coming from my records and coming to school there as well. Yeah. Now that 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 must be, you know, um, a bit, you know, tough, you know, the sweet side and the sour side, you know, mix, mixing it all together because you know, like you said, you've seen you've seen it all, you know, from um, being used as, you know, kind of like a yardstick to measure progress and all that. So in in all this, you know, going through the hardship, the good times and all that what in the world, you know, drove you into technology? Because at that point, you could have you could have probably said, you know, with all this hardship, I want to do business. You know, with all this hardship, I want to do something that I could see the gains, you know, immediately. Because I'm looking at, I mean, I know you're not that old, but looking at the time and going back, I believe that there probably would have been a lot of options. So how, how did you get into technology and how did you get into your field? Like, how did that happen? Well, so that's kind of like a, a continuation of my my story how I I grew up. So so when I finished uh, high school in in Sampa in two thousand and five, I I think that was two thousand and four. I'm, I'm always mistaking already. So two thousand and four. <laughs> uh, at the time, we we they had this uh, program in in KNUSA, uh, Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology called the Less Endowed Students. Uh, so the Professor Andam uh, of Blessed Memory. Uh, instituted a program that allowed less privileged students, less privileged in the sense that they come from schools that are not well equipped with mm. laboratories, don't have teachers, and so they, they he basically created this opportunity for those students to enroll in uh, in programs that are like highly valued, like medicine, pharmacy, computer science, computer engineering, electrical engineering. So those were the courses that were highly valued, and it was kind of like impossible. If, if to, to you to say the least, it was kind of difficult for anyone coming from a very least privileged school to be able to pursue those classes mm. because of mm. the the cutoff aggregate. So in my case, I was cho- I did very well in my uh, my uh, SSCE, and so okay. I was one of the students that was uh, submitted as a less privileged uh, st- uh, student, and I happened to to be picked as in an, in my uh, uh, I happened to be given admission. To do okay. computer engineering. Oh. Well, at the time, I actually also had a, se- a second admission from coming from the same school to okay. do chemistry. 
Oh, so you had two two different admissions from, from the, the same, same university. Yes. Okay. One to do chemistry and, and the other to do computer engineering. Chemistry because I chose it because I okay. wanted to go become a pharmacist. Pharmacist, okay. That's all okay. I knew. Okay. <laughs> so like so chemistry and then now I had to choose between what I what I what I knew and liked over what I I purpose uh, was a more valued program but I didn't know anything about. Okay. Because I, I didn't come into com- I didn't come into contact with computers until the ending part of my high school education. So yeah. I was so much familiar with computers to, to want to pursue a computer engineering degree. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that I understood that the less endowed privilege of being allowed to do that course meant that course was probably more value than so my chemistry. You, you kind of like took a leap of faith. You're yes. like, well, yes. it, I, might be, I, it might be good. Well, I guess I, I want to do chemistry, but then uh, let me let me try this engineering. Yeah. Maybe there's a prospect. Well, yeah. that's... It, 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 sound, it sounded more... Uh, Promising because it's like okay, this is a call that many people who are going to the to it were were aggregate eight and okay. aggregate nine. And here was I with aggregate eleven, being allowed to do pursue that course. So it must have a lot of prospects, and so that was a leap of faith. I okay. did I did at the time we didn't have anyone in my in my area who had pursued technology to be able to advise and say okay, this is actually good. No, it exactly. was really like you yeah, said. I, I was just going to ask you know did, did, was it that you knew someone who had done. Um, computer engineering or computer science and you were kind of like looking up to that person to say oh well you know Mr. Mensah did computer science and I want but technically you didn't you didn't no. have you know anyone wow no. that's that's interesting no. and and for our listeners who do not understand what the aggregate is probably if you're coming from another part of Africa or the world um, so for schools specifically in Ghana in some part of West Africa uh, you had to do a series of subjects in your final high school exams or national high school final exams and and you were graded from you know the like A all the way to F, and A represented one. So the total aggregate is you know if you're doing let's say eight subjects, you you had to get you you had to you know have like A's throughout you know one one ones throughout. So that's how the aggregate you know is is calculated. So Felix, go on. I mean into your this is your question the technology. You yeah. know, after that, what so, happened? So so after um, so I pursued the the course very diligently according to my abilities. I mean. I was that student who always went to class and understood everything the teacher taught. And if I didn't understand it there, then it was going to be pretty hard for me. Okay. So that's my philosophy all the way from my basic school till high school. Mm-hmm. But when I got to KNUSC, it was a diff- there was a huge difference in how they, they taught they did because they didn't teach. Okay. In KNUSC, they didn't teach. They basically did a, a, they kind of like a, gave you a lot of intro. Mm-hmm. And then expected you to do more, most of the hard learning. I will take you back a bit, you know, yeah. just for the clarity and for the sake of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, what what high school or secondary school did you attend? I went to Nafana Secondary School in Nafana Sampak. Secondary School in Sampak. Okay, and then you moved from Nafana Secondary School to Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. So that is KNUST for those who don't know. Okay, yeah. so I. It must have been, you know, tough, yeah. you know, because you, like you said, you you didn't have any encounters with computers. Even mm-hmm. in high school, you yes. didn't. Mm-hmm. Up until you go to the university, and then you decided to do a program in computer engineering. Engineering, yes. And and, and to to make it to make matters even even worse, I came into contact with my own personal computer during my second semester in in the third year. Wow. So year three, semester two was when I got a, That's pers- when you got a personal your desktop computer. computer for yourself. And I think that was a Pentium one. <laughs> so, all, so all this while, how are how you, you coping? Like, didn't you have like computer assignments or didn't you have to program? 
how are you dealing was, you know dealing really, with it, that it was really hard i mean they didn't of course we didn't they didn't ask us to submit uh software code software code that is in software but like maybe as uh, printed and put in right in the book and and submit yes we, mm. we we did those kind of uh sub assignment that we could submit but not really compile something and actually send out the program so we didn't have most of that until yeah, we did for the most part we didn't have that. So so that's why we're able to cope. But clearly that's not the best way to, to study computer science or computer engineering, right? But yeah, we didn't have that opportunity to say, okay, we're doing this program and then we're submitting the code that I can actually write and compile and mm. also test it. Mm. Yeah. So, so maybe that's why I was able to cope without a computer. But yes, I didn't have a computer until second second semester of my third year. Wow. Yes, it was it was pretty tough, and I and I think that was pretty dis- discouraging, and I nearly veered off uh, mm. from from computers into medical engineering, which I so I eventually took a, a, a medical engineering course in KUSD taught my final year, final year because I was kind of drifting away from uh, computers into what I could tangibly see other people were doing. Wow! And so how I got into how I I got a career in uh, technology? Well, when I finished school. I, I think I pretty much got a, a good basis of uh, some programming languages that I like. I think C++ was my, like, the goals of programming languages that we that were instructed in. So I was really interested in it and tried to learn on my own, read books, and so on. So after school, I got a chance to, to do my my uh, national service, right? And national service, which really opened me up to really pursuing a career in, in computer and technology. So basically, I had my, the opportunity to work in a company uh, yeah, information systems in Ghana. Okay. Uh, to do my national service, and that was a time where, like, I was thrown into the fire, okay. uh, as it were, uh, with a lot of uh, coaching and knowledge, knowledge impartation mm-hmm. that helped me to to kind of like within a year gain a lot of knowledge that was useful or that could be uh, used for any kind of productive work. And and this was which year? Uh, I think that that is two thousand and nine, then two thousand to two thousand and ten. So that that's a period that I I think I I did a lot of massive learning of of programming specifically and really deep into computers. Wow, interesting. That's that's amazing. I mean, um, so uh, a, a, a few things you know, kind of like I'm drawn to the fact that this is a person coming from the remote area of of Ghana. Yes. With no kind of like role model or anyone in technology or specifically computers, having seen the good side and the bad side growing up and not even experiencing computers in high school, Mm -hmm. going into the university and taking a leap of faith in computer engineering. That's right. That's that's, that's a, a lot of, someone would say, a lot of risks to take you know in 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 getting into this you know this field you are you know you are in apart from you know the challenges you face not having your own computers not what 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 are some of the key you know challenges you want to highlight on i mean throughout this quest into getting into the field what are some of the key challenges i think some of the key challenges to my entry uh, to my to my pursuing my career initially was living in Accra. <laughs> okay. Living in Accra was for me a nightmare to begin with because up until until I came to work at in Accra, I had not been to Accra. Wow. Yes. So I've been in Kumasi, which you think is a it's a big it's a big city as well. 
but there's a huge the dynamic in the crowd was quite different okay and and, and financially it was pretty difficult it is pr- pretty difficult to move around in a crowd than it is in in in, in uh, Kumasi okay and coming coming uh, to a crowd and national service personnel not not accommodation right not, mm. not having your own mm. accommodation to yeah. begin with yeah and not knowing and not necessarily having money money on hand so and knowing that you're coming to do your national service where you're not going to be paid something quite significant and living in that place for a second for a whole year yeah just to try out uh doing your national service in a company uh, i think was was probably the the way one thing one thing that could have made me stop Wow. The other option I could have I could have had was doing my national service in my area, which will be mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. close to by, pretty close to home and uh, less less budget. As you remember, I mean, I, since I come from the Brungahu region, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you had five hundred Ghana cities uh, in in that area, it would be a good budget to live on. Versus if you had even a thousand Ghana in in Accra. Yeah, that's so, true. So the challenge and how how I, I needed to manage my finances and my resources to live in Accra was I think was the biggest challenge that I encountered during entry and but eventually I I, I believe I, I was able to overcome, overcome it by uh, by being uh, prudent mm-hmm. and being uh, purposeful about my future what I wanted to achieve what great great so it to me it seems to me that you know after going through all that process at some point you came to a realization that, you know what this is what I want to do now and I have to put in all the effort channel everything you know into getting this um done that's that's wow that's that's amazing so you mentioned that at some point you you almost veered into doing like you know pharmaceutical something or medical, medical, medical engineering, engineering. Mm-hmm. would you if you know Giving, giving the chance, all right. Giving the chance, do you think you would have done things differently? You'd have done it like what would, would you have done this all over again? Uh, yes. So if I if I let's say if I had a computer at the beginning of my uh, college education today, maybe I, I would have. I think I would, I would have probably become a, an embedded engineer because I was really interested. I mean, my my capstone project was in. Uh, was programming the PIC eighty seven. I, I forget the the code, but PIC PIC uh, eighteen three three mm. seven some, mm. seven seven something. Okay. And, and basically try to write code to control, control uh, LED lights and yeah. uh, sensors, right? So that's those are I was really interested in those areas. But of course, I didn't have a, a very solid foundation, and coupled with the fact that the school didn't even have the, the, all those uh, uh, electronic units that you, we needed to do the project. That really uh, stopped us from doing a practical project into more like a theoretical. So, so if I had a chance and I had a computer, I would have been probably more deep into in, into uh, into embedded embedded engineering. Now, I would have still probably been in IT, but maybe in, in a different kind of uh, IT. Wow. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, I mean, it's it's not too late though. I mean, you know, now <laughs> there's there's Arduino microcontrollers, you know, and, and I mean something you know very yeah, well. I'm very yeah. passionate about. So mm-hmm. you know, along the lines that you can still you know can can you know can pick that up. I mean, so aside technology, you know, work and all that. Like I'm saying, mm-hmm. do you kind of like do hobbies? Like, do you still do this kind of like microcontroller things on the side? What are your hobbies aside aside? Uh-huh. You know, technology. My hobbies are. I think my hobbies are really in finance. Okay. I know, I know finance is a career for someone, but 
mm. my, because because I'm not I'm not no one knows me as a finance person. One thing I really focus on a, a lot uh, on the other side is really finance. I mm. really I read a lot about finance information. I try to see what what is there to invest and things like that. So I spend a lot of time, a chunk of time, every day looking at stocks and really stock analysts' uh, 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 opinions about different stocks. That's mm. one of the things I enjoy doing on the okay. side. But some people actually see it as a whole career, but I'm not necessarily seeing it as a career, but it helped me because I'm just using my private time when I'm not to do that. Working. Yeah. So, you, so that, that's one of the things I do as a hobby. You <laughs> seem like, you know, someone having, you know, interest in medical, you know, technology, doing doing technology and, you know, having a hobby as finance. You know, it's 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 quite an interesting, you know, interesting journey so far. Um well at least now we know who you are, we know where you're from, we know how you got into it. So why currently why are you working? What do you do, you know, currently to, as of today? Yeah, so as of today, I, I work uh, as a business intelligence developer uh, for a private equity company, also a real estate uh, investor called Aspen Capital, or for a pub, for a public for any company any, for for com- people who want to know about the company more, it's a public company called Grady Jacks. Uh, corporation and it's based in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and uh, they basically specialize in uh, private equity and mortgage uh, servicing and mortgage purchases. And I, I'm the business intelligence developer uh, lead. Okay, so um, if is that was that your first job offer, or you were working previously somewhere? How before you got into into this new role? Yeah, prior to this, I was working as a uh, senior data architect for uh, EAI information systems okay. uh, also in, here in Dubetton, Oregon. Okay. Uh, and I work I work in that role I think on and off for about eight to nine years. I say on and off because at some point in my at some point I came to Portland State University and did my master's degree. Oh okay. And so, and so that's that during that time I, I didn't fully work for the company. Oh okay. It was, after, it was mo- almost toward the end of this uh, my, my master's degree that I I resume working uh, for EAI again. So, yeah. So I used to I used to work for EAI uh, for eight and a half years. Oh, eight mm-hmm. and a half years. Okay. What What was your master's in? What uh, technology management? Wow, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. That's that's great. So, how how did you how did you get into you know your current company Aspen Capital, right? How mm-hmm. how did you get into it? Like, what was the process like? Ah, uh, well. Uh, so the process is uh, as we, we always talk talk about growth and maturity, you know, and opportunity. Mm. So the, you live in we live in a place where uh, there's there are opportunities in IT, and we always want to highlight the fact that yes, there there are opportunities in IT, and if you are if you are in one place, you want to grow into knowing what other what other things you could be doing that will enhance your your personality. And that will make you grow as a person. So I think uh, after eight years of working at EI, I, I wanted a change, a change of environment. So I started uh, kind of like getting myself active, actively searching for for new roles mm-hmm. uh, in the area. And I got, I, I think at the time I got three different companies trying to uh, get me to come to come on board in in their data strategy. I think at the time I think I had uh, Microsoft. Uh, it, it wanted me to come on board as a technology uh, evangelist of a sort. Oh, I see. Uh, and then there was a Columbia Sports that was also wanted me to come on for a data migration project that the envision was going to take about twenty four months. 
and then Aspen Capital came on board through, and most of them, most of these uh, recruiters came came looking for us, mm. not we going mm. out necessarily. Yeah. So, uh, so they came out, and then uh, I was interviewing with them and trying to know what they were trying to do. And my interest, what really made me interested in continuing to pursue that particular opportunity was uh, they were at the point of beginning a new data warehouse project. Uh, and so they were looking at bringing someone in who will lead that process. And I thought that was really exciting because, yeah, I said, it's a better company, it's a, sorry, it's a bigger company and uh, has a lot of uh, opportunity for me to create something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. I thought that was uh, interesting. And at the time, I thought, yes, Microsoft and all these big other big companies are good, but maybe if I if I went if I focus on those, I may not necessarily be able to like build things from the ground up as I would like because I would rather fit in a small team in another team which will be where I'll be building a, just a part of something that they're doing versus like leading and and taking something from the ground up. Mm. So I thought that was a really interested in, interesting reason why I should uh, pursue Join that opportunity. Them. And so during the interview process, they were quite really, we did interview number one, two, three, four, five. Mm. And the five was like with the, with the executive. So okay. the president and the CEO of the company. And uh, basically the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. I'm kind of, I'm thinking here, I'm thinking that you got offers from Columbia Sportswear, you got offers from Microsoft mm-hmm. and Aspen Capital, and you decided, I mean, I mean, for someone like me who is like, I want to get into Microsoft at some mm. point in my life, like, you you just drifted with like, you know, Aspen Capital. Mm-hmm. Was, it, what, was there something... I, I, another reason, another reason why, okay. I, why I was really... I wanted to go much into Aspen Capital was also my, uh, my, my past experience was really in, in finance, right? Okay. In finance software, right? Yeah. So at this company was in finance. So clearly it was not a, a, a straight drift from, uh, so I, I'm li- I was living EAI, which was a financial services company, into a financial services, no, a, I was living EAI, which was a financial services software company, to a, a company that was a financial mm. services company. Company, okay. Right, so now I, I come with a with a good understanding of the regulation, the, regula- the regulatory environment from, from EAI's perspective, where the software was being uh, developed to help govern all those things, into an organization which is actually supposed to Comply to the regulations. regulations. So, so I think it was a it was a good way uh, to not the, to make sure that risk was not too high because mm-hmm. I was I was going to come with some more knowledge uh, in this area at the same time with a new a lot of new things to learn. I see. Yeah. That's that's so. What 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 are some of the things you you did? You know, while preparing, you know, for this job in terms of like the interview. Did you do you have any? like specific things you did? How did you prepare for, you know, for, for your interview? Yeah, so for interviews, I basically, one of the cute, uh, the, the things that we, we keep learning, and I, I think advice that we've, ever, we've received from uh, career counselors is, yeah, whenever you get, uh, you are trying to go interview for a company, uh, research about the company, and kind of understand what they do, and then, uh, one thing that I did was also uh, look at what kind of what kind of uh, like questions about culture, cultural fit that uh, uh, companies would like to to ask you to know if you are a fit. So mm. yeah, so a lot of basic research about interviews was one of the things I did. But I I'll, I'll say that uh, I've not had I've not had too many interviews. But I think I'm I'm usually very 
uh, confident in interviews. When mm. I'm in, in an interview, I change the environment to be a conversation versus really a question and answer thing. Okay. So come in, relate with the, with the people that I, I, when I was interviewing, I basically came related with the people that I was interviewing with and got, got a place to be like a humorous environment where we are already interacting casually. Okay. And so it becomes really, okay, I want to really listen to what you're saying and actually give you my opinion. And so, well, I, I didn't know how to prepare specifically uh, to get those, uh, to do that because I, I, I think that's something that I tend to do naturally. Mm. Naturally, come into the environment, uh, connect with the people, and then let it be a casual conversation, and then let's see if I'm the fit. Wow. That's, that's good. That's good. So, um, how do you do you see you know your role today you know you you are business you know intelligent intelligence developer what what does a bi developer do you know what's the day today like what's the day in the life of a bi developer <laughs> yeah uh, so 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 for for our audience who don't know much about uh software so there are different kind of different different kind of software there are different kind of software developers like I was talking about embedded software development, we created software that runs directly on, on hardware. We have those groups. And I think that's what I would have done if I had a chance mm. okay. to go back. Right. But there are also uh, application software developers that are creating solutions for specific problems, business problems or societal problems. Uh, what what a, a business intelligence developer does is really uh, taking the end result of the software's which is data, right? Software create a lot of data. And then that data has some business value to it if you can really understand the information it, it has. And so a business intelligence developer basically take all that data and try to bring it, bring life to it by extracting the information from the data so that the business will be able to use that uh, to make decisions because the information is telling them to do something. Mm. So my role day to day is probably gathering data from, from systems, uh, moving that data strategically from one location to a store or creating automation processes that will run when I'm asleep so that these things will run, bring data into platforms, generate help generate uh, meaningful analytics through reporting, and then uh, users can consume it, make decisions, and then the, the cycle continues. Wow. Well, so folks, um, for... For those who don't know what a BI, you know, developer does, um, Felix has given us insight into, you know, how, you know, how he does that. And don't forget that you can also um, send your questions. Uh, if you have questions for him, you can send it on our Facebook page, which is uh, um, C-T-R-L-E-S-C-P-E-E-E. The same thing for Twitter as well. So if you have any specific question for Felix, you can, you know, push it. So I, I ask them. So what is one of the worst organizational politics you have faced and how did you deal with it? Right. Okay, so I'll tell you, I'm dealing with one right now. And, and, and I think that's probably... The, <laughs> right, into, right into it. Yes, that, that's, and I'll say that is really... It's, it's quite tough, right? Mm. So, but but I, I, like, I like the fact that we're dealing with human beings and wherever there are yeah. human beings, there, yeah. there are politics yeah. and uh, we have to know how to play well. Politically correct, uh, politically be politically correct is important, in, mm-hmm. especially in America. Working in America, you have to be politically correct. 
sometimes some some of your opinions will not be accept, accepted, even though they are your opinions. Yeah. You, you really learn to uh, to articulate your opinions respectfully and understand the environment. Yeah. So basically, I'm, I'm in a project where I don't think uh, there were a lot of like initial business involvement. Mm. Right. And so the project the project is executed uh, based on uh, just the technical team gathering their own requirements, so to speak. And then the business is said, okay, we oh we need you we need uh, we need controls on on the data before we can even utilize it. So like that's a lot of political situation where mm. uh, from day one they had opportunity to to participate and to uh, be part of it and give us whatever control it is control they needed to be able to use the data when we are done. But they they waited till we are done with it. We validated the data is correct, everything is fine. But then the we have challenge with them say okay, well we need controls. And that's really totally something that we could have avoided. So I'm still dealing with it. I'm still learning to understand that sometimes businesses will not give you exactly what uh, you need to build something for them until you build to the end. No. And so that is the part of that's one probably one of the <laughs> one of the difficult yeah, difficult political yeah organizational politics you're mm-hmm. dealing with. Wow. Anyway, that that um so you're coming from you know from all that you've told us so far, you're coming from a different culture. What has been some of the cultural challenges you have faced, especially because, I mean, being a Ghanaian and African myself, I know we have moral values, we have ethics, some things that, you know, we carry with us as, mm-hmm. as Africans or as Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. How do those play in your current, you know, role, like work? Do you, how, do you, how do you combine them or how do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a learning. It's a day-to-day learning. I mean, you live in America. Uh, I've lived in America for, for five, almost five years, and so there's a lot of learning to do. And one of the challenges that I face a lot at work is all my, all, all my uh, colleagues are Americans, and so sometimes when we're having conversations and then they use words and lingo that an American should understand, and you don't understand it, I don't think they're going. So people are just going to naturally just go and explain what that means, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have a lot of challenge sometimes understanding what they are saying, or they tell tell a joke, and they're supposed to it's supposed to be funny, but it's not funny to you because you don't yeah. get what it means. And sometimes it might come out as though so it might come that, come out as though you are not that joke you are, you don't you don't like to have fun or fun, yeah. But that's not the case because the, the joke is you don't that you I don't, don't get resonate with it. Yeah. It's culturally yeah. challenging for me to see it as a joke. Yeah. Right. So, so th- those are some of the. That's one of the uh, uh, cultural, cultural uh, challenges. But another, I think there's a, there are cultural challenges that I'll highlight that are really good. Okay. I mean, if uh, most of our African employers tend to tend to like stay really away from from their employees because they they are really up there. They are they are like the the president of the company or the chairman of the board, and so you don't get to talk with them. Uh, but but here so far. Uh, in in the US, it's quite really it's it's quite uh, easy sometimes. I'm not saying every country com- company is flat for you to be able to go speak with anybody, but like I believe it's much easier here for the CEO or the guy at the very top to interact with the guy at the very uh, at the very end. You know, so that is one cultural difference in the work environment that I highlight uh, here in the US that I think is pretty pretty good. Wow, and was a shock for me. Great. Well, yeah, because I, you know, I, I had my own, you know, my own 
um, uh, episode of you know cultural shock when mm-hmm. I when I first came here. You know the things that I know. This this sounds crazy and funny, but there was this incident when I think uh, we were together then yourself, myself, and Michael Haji then, mm-hmm. and we were sitting in a bus. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in a bus coming uh, from work, going home. Mm-hmm. And we saw these two kids and they were kissing in the bus. Mm-hmm. And and for <laughs> us, you know, coming from a culture where, you know, such things are private and you want to say at some point is, is an abomination to do that mm-hmm. in public when they're adults. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was so shocked. I was like, look at what they're doing. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I can relate to that as well. You know, some of the challenges that we as Africans face, especially when, when we find ourselves, you know, in this, um, in this part of, you know, of the world. So what would you say are your weaknesses and your strengths? And how do you like, in, in the case of your weaknesses, mm-hmm. how are you dealing with it? And in the case of your strengths, how are you using that to, you know, better yourself? Yeah. Okay. So basically, so my, one thing I, t- I see as my weakness a lot is, is being able to focus on learning one thing till mm. from, from beginning mm. to end. Mm. It's, a, it's a big difficulty. Like, I can start a very good course and say, oh, this course is nice. I'm going to study it to the end. I'm, I'm going to do this question and I'm going to learn it to the end. And it'll be, it'll be very interesting. And then I'll probably get to the middle and then just somehow find something to fit in that would. That takes that thing away. And that's a weakness. But in being intentional, Mm-hmm. about trying to overcome this and and i literally read books that will help me to focus okay and so there's okay. one there's one book that i'll i'll uh, recommend to your listeners oh yeah sure you can uh, you can uh, share that it's called the one thing and it's okay. written by uh, gary keller okay the one thing yeah mm-hmm. the one thing the one thing and the, the, that book is basically talking about focusing on one thing till you are done uh, because basically the one thing that you focus on will become like a domino effect that will help you to achieve other many other things that you would that would have been competing uh, for your attention in the beginning. So basically, this this book really helped me. I didn't finish reading the book. Can you believe that? <laughs> the book that is supposed to help you focus, you've actually not finished. I didn't you finish. know with that. Wow. I, didn't finish. I have I have it, but I've really picked the core lessons on on how to focus. Okay. And and to avoid multitasking. So yeah, I think basically on my day to day, this really helped me to to even execute my daily agenda. Okay. So when I come in in the morning, I try to identify one thing that if I achieve today will be very good and would help me, uh, will be like a very high point or high note that may be useful for my achievement of my, my goal. So, so that's, that's really like instrumental. Uh, so that's my weakness, being able to focus and I'm trying to intentionally deal with it by sometimes reading books and okay. trying to apply, apply it until, uh, Okay, for as much as I can. Yeah, and I'll make sure I have that you know available as part of the um mm-hmm. the podcast resources mm-hmm. for this one so people and links to it on right. you know where people can can find it. Um, so let's 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 move on. I mean, so far it's it's you know it's been very interesting. There are things that I, I mean, I'm getting to know for the first time. You know, even after all these years working with you, there, there's something I've you know I've I've picked you know from from it. So I have, I have a very short attention span. Okay. I have a short attention span, so so and, and so I think it's the same it's the same thing about the focus. Focus, yeah. yeah. Well, I I think for that I have <laughs> I have I have probably noticed that about you because sometimes all my meetings and all that, 
I realized that if it goes beyond a certain time, mm-hmm. you want to find something to fill in the gap, or you want to like let's move or, to the or, next, or just, or just wake up or something. E- exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Okay, okay, that's 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 cool. That's cool. Um, so right now, I know that you know if you are in tech or you are into software, whatever technology field you find yourself in, or even as a, as in the human institution, we all you know do mistakes or we all have mistakes or you know orchestrate some form of mistake what would you say would be that one mistake mm-hmm. you committed mm-hmm. you know how did you resolve it and how did you learn from it what was the impact and so I first did, of all what, what was that that one mistake that you never forget what mm-hmm. was the impact of that mistake how did you resolve it if you did and what have you learned from? You're it? talking about technology. No, my 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 worst mistake was not. It's not in technology. It, it not necessarily. <laughs> I, I mean, like I'm saying, it, it could be your worst mistake in either in technology or in life or when, something. When I was growing, okay. When I was, well, when if I was, you want to share that with when us, I, when I was really young, okay. Yeah, when I was really young, so I grew up in a small village where uh, people like like to go to the, to the bush to to look for meat, mm. right? Mm. So as, as I was growing up, I was seeing my older brothers. Going, going out there and doing that. And I also wanted to do the, the same thing. So I, I was playing with my other colleagues and we're trying to like trap little, little, little animals like rats mm. or so to speak, uh, mouses. And one day, just just within the village, we really, uh, my friend and I decided to, instead of just setting traps in this, uh, 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 at, at outside in, in the bushes, why don't we just burn the entire place? Wow. Yeah, that was the, uh, our resolution. Well, let's let's just bend the entire place, and we'll get all the animals to come out. Just was, to get some bush meat. Yes. So your resolve is to bend the entire place. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then lo, lo and behold, we just looked, and there was fire all over the place because they were baking all these pots, oh. and, and they didn't they didn't put out the fire. They didn't put wow. out the fire. So we went ahead, picked some some of the fire, and then we just set it in, and we nearly we bend. We burned the entire uh, the outskirts of the village. It, it burned so so bad like, that there were like there was a lot of fire coming out coming down trees after days. Wow! Yeah, and and, and the, <laughs> the, the irony is that my dad was a fire volunteer's secretary. Oh no! <laughs> so so now uh, that, that was a big trouble. Now my dad. Has to answer for my crime. Wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's supposed to be the kind of like the enforcer, the enforcer, enforcer. of that. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you probably got some punishment. Or you were the golden child, so you didn't uh, really oh, oh, have any the, the any whooping for that. Well, my dad, my dad never whooped me, but he was he whooped me with his words. Oh, he didn't insult. Like, he didn't insult you, but like he used, he used words. Like I said, he was trying to straighten other student, other students with with me as a, as a young kid. Yeah, trying to say, oh, yeah. look at this young guy. He's doing better than you. Like my dad used like to use that kind of sarcasm. Yeah, and the, yeah. And the sarcasm was really it was really painful that you wouldn't want to do something as bad as as bad as well. Hmm. So I th- I think that was my worst mistake. Uh, and I wouldn't if you if I got a chance. No, I would not try to do that again. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. It brought a lot because it, not only did it impact mm. me, it impacted my mm. dad's reputation mm. in the community. Mm. So, mm. so uh, what what are I mean? You mentioned that um, you have a problem with focusing and all that. So what what is what is your approach in learning something new? What what is your process if you want to learn a new thing? Yeah. What what approach do you take in learning new new stuff? So, so first of all, my approach is first of all identify what is the purpose for that thing. 
that I'm trying to learn or what would be the the benefit I would derive from it. And then once I, I narrow that down, then there's a kind of like a motivation to actually do it. Mm. The motivation to do it. And then I a lot time. I a lot okay. time to, to say, okay, this uh, so I just I just took a, I just finished a course in Python data structures. Okay. Right? And my strategy was okay, every day, because I've identified that Python data structures will be instrumental in my ability to do machine learning and artificial intelligence, I thought that I need to finish this course so that I can do machine learning and AI. That okay. was like the motivation there. And so I decided to allot time every day, every day in the evening. And not, not, not a long time, but just some time, let's say within an hour, I'm going to turn off my TV okay. and I'm going to avoid any other interruption and just study for one hour every day until I finish this course. Okay, so avoid all the distractions. distractions. So okay. first of all, I create my motive okay. for why I have to do this thing. Okay, and then I allot a time, and I don't allot a big time so that it will. <laughs> if I because if I allot a, a, a long a long chunk of time, it will distract me. So I just use let's say one hour. So within an hour, I'm going to learn until I finish this course. Mm. And, and so that's what I that's what, that's how I finish this course. The pattern data tracker. So I know that that's what I I use uh, when I need to learn a particular skill. Oh. Interesting. It's uh, it's been fun, you know, talking to Felix here, BI developer, Aspen Capital here in the United States. Um, he's 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 opened up into a lot into him, you know, his life, how he got into development, and you know what he's doing so far. So, what what do you do to distress? You know, because I know it can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the things you do to distress? One, I know you you might be surprised, but it's cooking. One of them is cooking. Really, cooking is one of the things I do to distress, and and not necessarily cooking, just anything I already know. Like I tend to cook things that I don't know. So sometimes I can just say, okay, because I want to, I can just go to like a website that has recipes and just go get the ingredients and just do them. And the fact that the fact that I'm trying to get create something out of this new recipe means that I have to like stop focusing on what I had. Well, also, you're going to do it because I need to focus on this particular recipe and get it to come out good. Mm, so basically, mm. that automatically take my attention from my what I was occupied with to begin with into now a new occupation of cooking that meal to come out good. Interesting. And so that's one of the things I do to distress. And I just like to serve the internet. Just serve the internet. Yeah. And I like to go on a, a website called Kura. Okay, and re- that's really Cora is really about uh, opinion. People answering questions about different topics, and I like to just go in there and read about people's opinions. And uh, you were asking me earlier about how I, I plan for, I prepare for interviews. Mm-hmm. Well, Cora is one of the places where, if I want to know about interviews, I can just go in. So okay, in uh, uh, type in interviews, and I'll see all kinds of questions about interviews, and that will help me to learn a lot about what uh, hiring managers are looking out for about what is how to negotiate salaries okay and all kinds of like okay. very important key areas you need as as a uh, career person okay wow so that's 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 about sums up you know you know yourself your work and you know how you know you got into it um on the podcast I try as much as possible to have at least one opinionated question if mm-hmm. that's correct you know mm-hmm. I want to know your opinion on one thing and based on you know, your responses to, you know, some of the things you do, I kind of forget what to ask you. So 
in your opinion, or I mean, to relate it to you, mm-hmm. how long could you go without technology? I think is I think I think I can go without technology, and I'll give you and I'll show you a, a, an example, right? So so I just had a vacation uh, where I I, I uh, flew down to Ghana, and I was uh, I was I was for some days in Accra. Then I went to the village. Okay. Unfortunately, in the village we have we have uh, phone calls. Right, mm. we have phone call where I can I can actually make a make a phone all right, but there's no data. Oh, okay. Because the okay. telecom company don't want to invest in our you know because we're, there's not that much population there for them to benefit. Mm. So now I I can't re- I couldn't check my emails, I couldn't I couldn't receive uh any any I couldn't read okay mm-hmm. I couldn't read from on Quora I couldn't do any of the things I like to read. Yeah. So really, the part of my my visit that I didn't like was the fact I really enjoyed being with my family and spending all the days talking with them. But the part that I really missed was not just not connected to the world. I cannot read the news in the yeah. US. I cannot check my stocks. I cannot check this, all these kind of things. So it was like it, it made life really difficult. So I don't know if you say I was able to get away with, mm. with without technology, but I just didn't really enjoy the fact that my phone was basically a stone. Yeah. I couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, so I mean, so to you, 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 it will be difficult be for you to live difficult. without technology. Yeah. Wow. Really difficult. Yeah. Wow, wow. Uh, well, some of us, we'll see. I'm not sure some of us can manage, but you know, uh, we'll see when the time gets there. So, in closing, um, um, you're an African. You know, we want to find out a few things um, about your perception about you know the the continent. So, do you plan on you know going back to Africa? And why? If you plan to go back, why? Oh so, yeah, I plan to go back to Africa. Yes, uh, I, I was there. I was there in Accra uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yes, I saw a lot of good progress that have been made. Uh, for instance, for example, uh, five years ago when I was coming here, we didn't have mobile banking apps. Okay. That were working enough for you to be able to uh, see a few basic things you needed to see. Now I went there and I was able to go walk into the bank. Uh, basically, simply, we, we was able to reactivate my account, download uh, the mobile app, got it set up, and up and running. And I can easily uh, check my balance. I can transfer money. And those are all innovations that have happened in the past, just in the past five years. Mm. Okay, but there are still there are still a lot of like low hanging fruit of things that we could do with our knowledge to, yeah. to advance our society. I mean, if I didn't have family. In Accra, maybe maybe I may not have the mot- the motivation to go there. Yeah. But I have family in Ghana. Okay. Right. I have family in Ghana that is really uh, that that they face challenges day by day. Mm. That if we had technology to solve, would solve. Okay. Would really make their life better. So if for nothing at all, yeah, I want to be able to go back and give back uh, uh, my some of my knowledge to yeah. improve uh, the life. So in in building up of technology and build up any kind of solution that mm. will enhance mm. uh, our life back home that uh, that will make me want to go back there oh great yes. I mean it actually ties into the next question I was mm. going to you know ask that um, what are some of the things you are doing or what are some of the things you plan to do to help or promote technology in Africa um, so uh, basically I, I I was talking with, with a friend when I was in Ghana I thought yes there's a lot of knowledge available on the internet that's number one because yes you can provide anything you want for a society you can give it anything but if you don't give your knowledge 
they will be, that whatever you give will actually be destroyed because knowledge is what uh, creates and maintains right so really my goal is to uh, some of the resources that we have that we have for free to make it available because now there's considerable amount of good internet a considerable bandwidth of internet mm, right, that mm. people can actually learn yeah so I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I was talking with a friend there in Ghana about how we can create like learning groups okay. and focus them on specific technologies okay and say hey these people all they do is learn Python okay and they have a group yeah. like a club what, what sort of, here we have a lot of meetups mm-hmm. I don't know if they happen a lot back, back home but yeah basically creating a group where they're just learning one particular thing and be good at it yeah and when they're good at it then they can solve a specific problem if we can have those kind of pockets of groups which are learning mm-hmm. specific technologies then we are creating the opportunity for people to create stuff and to build uh, yeah. the, the country or, or the, the continent into yeah. becoming what we really we all want it to be yeah talk of talk of groups I know you know I know the, uh, there are a few meetup groups back home mm-hmm. in uh, specifically in Ghana because I've interacted with a few of the people mm-hmm. and I remember when I was in high school you know I actually started a computer club you know that because when we were in high school we, we just had little time you know, to mm-hmm. probably once every two weeks to just go do Word, Excel, and all that. I was like, no, you know what? It will be, it will be, you know, beneficial to have them come extra hours to do stuff. So, um, I can relate to that idea of yours. That I think is, you know, very, very um, um interesting. So, what would you? What would be your advice? Mm-hmm. You know, for up and coming and aspiring, you know, young Africans mm-hmm. who want to venture into technology. What would be Advice. What would be an ad- like your advice to such people? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so again, uh, one 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 advice I want to give is uh, look look out at the advanced nations. Look at look at the countries that everyone everyone is aspiring to visit. Mm. America, UK, all the Japan now Singapore. Look at all those countries that we are all aspiring as Africans to move to. Mm. What is what's the difference? The underlying difference between those countries and us is that they love to learn and they have a lot of knowledge. In, they apply a lot of that knowledge into creating a better society, better roads, better all kinds of better infrastructure mm. that we all want to enjoy. Okay, so the foundation is knowledge. Yeah, and knowledge you can only acquire knowledge by learning. Uh, so it looks like in our society we like a lot of shortcuts. Oh, we want to create this kind of. Uh, we want to use our, we have we know we have a few uh, IT skills and hacking skills and want to use it to create sakawa or or want to use it to to, to scam oh, people. Scam people no, yeah. Long term, that's not sustainable. Yeah. What is sustainable is applying that knowledge into creating something that would help society. Yeah. And so so study intentionally and let to give time to mm. achieve instead mm. of thinking of trying to get something really quick or something now or becoming rich. Yeah, no, becoming rich is a good thing, but like becoming rich when the entire society is not good, or, or, or is the entire society is failing, or the entire society is not friendly, it's not good. We want a society that we all have uh, a good amount of development versus just a few people filthy rich, and the society still still stinks. Mm. Uh, we still have a lot of like uh, unkept streets. Yeah, no, we we want to move away from that. We want to like study hard and achieve goals that will help everybody, not just us. Okay. And so, like, learn if you want to become an IT a, a, a personnel, 
what uh, choose which track that would that you believe will, you have the resources easily. Okay. Right. And focus on focus. Yeah. Instead focus. of diversify. I, yeah. I, I like diversification when it comes to uh, investment. Yeah. When it comes to learning, I think I will apply the same one thing book. Right. Yeah. The one thing book is okay. Take one technology track. Okay, I want to be the best front end developer. Okay. I want to become the best database or best uh, data engineer or best data science and focus on it and make sure that the two your tools are aligned in a way that will make you the best. Because when you are, when you are the good the best at the, at any particular skill, that will give, make you more popular than having knowledge across all the board. So, like I'll advise most African uh, uh, aspiring IT professionals uh, to choose one area and focus on it well. Okay. I know that you might use to learn other things on the side. It's fine, but make sure that there's one thing that you are a core and the best at. So you're more looking at them being specialists than generalists? Be specialists because at the okay. end of the day, you'll be able to learn other things on the side, but be, be good at one thing and yeah. know that whenever we mention uh, data architecture, you are, be you are great at it, at it, very great. And all the other things are just uh, might not necessarily win you the cap. So yeah. get one that will win you the cap, cap yeah. and then get other one that you might need on the side as a support. That yeah, focus one thing. Great, great, yeah. great. So, before we wrap up, what are some of your favorite tools you use in your line of work? What are your favorite tools? Uh, so, I think my <laughs> what is, what is become my favorite tool? I'll talk about what is become my favorite tool. Okay, right now I think it's Python, mm. right? And the an- Anaconda uh, uh, suit of okay. uh, uh, application that I use that I use for uh, data manipulation and uh, programming. So, so I think. Uh, I encourage. I, I, I'm talking about Python because it's becoming like the mo- de facto mm. data tool for artificial intelligence. Okay. And I'll encourage aspiring uh, tech professionals to look into it. Okay. Because it's easier. It's, it, it's the goal of Python is to make programming friendly to the person who who was not who was not a geek. Okay. So yeah. It's a yeah. low-hanging programming language that you can use. To advance your knowledge, mm. so I, I tend to I'm, I'm I'm liking that a lot. But what I use a lot a lot for my uh, most of the work I do is really the Microsoft toolset. The Microsoft okay. I'm a SQL uh, Microsoft uh, 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 BI professional, so okay. I get to work with Microsoft SQL Server, the database engine, uh, the integration services for data movement and all that, mm. the reporting services, and then Power BI for visualizations. And, and of course, the cloud uh, tools like the Data Factory. Um, so the Data Factory is uh, Microsoft's uh, cloud data man- data uh, engineering platform where platform, you can okay. connect to different data sources without dealing with your on-prem uh, resources. resources. So that's one of the mm. like one of the two sets that I uh, really enjoy uh, to use and innovate with. Great. So you, I mean, you've been mentioning a few a few resources, you know, mm-hmm. that you've been using. You mentioned Quora. You mentioned the one thing, the book that helps you focus. Are there other resources that you would recommend, you know, for people, you know, venturing into this space? Any other resource that you personally use that you yes, think can yes. can you know, can yes, so, help? Uh, Udemy. Okay. You, when you go to Udemy, you have to pay for the course. Yeah. But I think it's good. It's good because. Okay, one more thing that I, I, one way I try to learn something and, and get done with it is to pay for it. Okay. So, so, so you pay for the value. Yes. So recently when I did the Python data structures class, yeah. I, I paid $49 wow. per, per, per month. 
Wow. Okay? So because it was a track called Python for, for Everybody and it had multiple courses in it. So I decided to pay $49 a month. Okay. The thing I decided to pay so that when I when they, they, I get a deduction from my credit card, it, the pain will make me... Will make you use it. Say, Let me use it. <laughs> because one thing I hate in life is to lose money. So, yeah. so I hate losing money. So, well, they get deducted from my, my credit card. Mm. Well, why am I just paying for something that I'm not using? Yeah. So, so I pay for it. So one thing, maybe one thing I'll tell you, you as an advice is, don't free knowledge is available and it's good. But sometimes when you are not paying for it, you feel it's not valuable. Valuable. And so yes, I'll I'll, I'll expect you yeah. to sometimes pay for a course and that will make you finish it and and learn and learn to that. And edx.org. Okay. It's a, it's a really that's really free as well. But if you want to get a certificate, uh, I think I think you still need to pay for pay it. for it. Yeah. But otherwise, you can go and learn for free. Awesome. That's one of them. And Pluralsight. Pluralsight, back in the days, yeah, that was like a <laughs> beginning go to tool. Uh, yeah. The company had it. The company I used to work for, and AI had it. So I, I could go in and learn. Oh, in my current job, they also have it. And we have lynda.com. Mm. Those are all uh, like places that you can go in and get a lot of IT resources yeah. uh, to learn. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much, Mr. Felixier. It's been awesome having you um, on actually the premiere, the very first episode of the Jenny series on the Control Escape um, podcast. So what we do here is, you know, we talk to technologists from, you know, across Africa, you know, to, to show us what they have done, you know, and what they go through in their daily lives. So it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm hoping to see and follow you, you know, with your new endeavors and all that. Um, let's catch up sometime. And thank you very much once again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Journey series with me, Samala Joyi. And we've been talking to Felix here. Uh, BEI developer for Aspen Capital here in Beaverton, Oregon, USA. If you like the show and want to know more, check out our website, podcast.sadrani.me, which is podcast.sadrani.me. Or just leave us a comment or review on our Twitter handle and our Facebook page. I will leave in the description in the show notes for our Twitter and our Facebook page. Join us next Friday when we talk to Charles Marty. He'd also take us through the journey of his life on how he went into technology and where he is today. Don't forget to send your questions via Twitter handle or the Facebook page. Until then, continue to make Africa proud. This is a journey on the Control Escape podcast. Have a nice day.